Podcast. This is episode 19. Appreciate you finding a way to listen. Hope you're having a great week. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. If a snake had two heads, it'll bite you twice. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Put your seatbelts on, boys. Can you believe that we never had Mike? Leech is president. Ooh, sports opinions. You know we got ooh, sports opinions straight out of the air. All right, this is exciting. Welcome to our second guest to the podcast. This is Casey Sutton. He's a Texas barbecue legend in Dallas. He's also a Cincinnati Bengals fan and historian. Hi. So, Casey and I have been friends for how long? Oh man, we started working together uh, 2006, 2007, I believe, yeah. Yeah, We're 15 to 16 years. Friends ever since, yeah. Yeah, one of my closest friends. And what better time to have you on and talk to you about your Bengals. Who day? Who day, heading to the Super Bowl. Heading to the Super Bowl, who would have thought? Pretty improbable. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not according to you, actually. Well, I'll, I'm going to bring it up in a little bit. But You know, what they were talking about is this is the one of the greatest turnaround uh, in NFL history. Yeah. You know, so in 2019, we only won two games. Got Zach Taylor, so he won two games. Okay, that was pre-Burrow. Yep, yep, pre-Burrow. Drafted Burrow number one overall. Uh, probably went down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in college uh, history. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the greatest seasons. One of the greatest seasons, over 60 touchdown passes, and that's when he was with Jamar Chase. Uh, we drafted Burrow 2019 uh, with a new head coach, won two games that year. Um, went to, uh, we went to uh, four games the next season we won. Vegas had the over-under at five games going into this year. That was in last year he got hurt. Last year he got hurt, so this is his full first full season. When did you become a Bengals fan? So I was born in '84. Uh, I have a, a little, you know. Obviously, I don't remember our last uh, playoff game victory. Was yeah, '84. Uh, yeah, '88. <laughs> yeah. Well, '88 was the Super Bowl okay. versus 49ers. They yeah, beat yeah. us again. Uh, I believe the last playoff win was 1990. Uh, about 31 years ago. Yeah. And uh, so you, so how long, what, at what age did you move to New Mexico? Uh, 12 years old. Yeah. So you had, you had already grown up as a kid, like yep. that being your team. Yep. Did yep. they, was that back with the uh, Tiger helmet or was that the Bengals helmet? That was the Bengals helmet. Um, I believe the Tiger helmet came in around. Around the 91, I want to say. crazy to me because I I had kind of forgotten about the old Bengal helmet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the the Tiger one is so awesome. So you and I, uh, along with our friend Jay, uh, we went on the sports trip of a lifetime. An epic sports trip. Yeah, which started in, which I think was 2013, I think I confirmed that, which seems like I can't believe it was that long ago. It was. We We flew into Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we watched the Reds and Pirates. Which was awesome. Which was an amazing game. Amazing stadium. The the city was amazing. What a great place to visit. I think that's PNC Park. Yeah, PNC. Yep. Yep. What a great view. Great ballpark. Yeah, great great ballpark. We had a great time. We drove from there, went to, uh, that was I believe on a Friday. Yeah. And then Saturday woke up and we drove to the Ohio State game. Against Florida A&M. Against Florida A&M. 
that was also a great game. Ohio State won that game. Like 79 to nothing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then we drove from there right after the game. We went to Cincinnati, and we watched the Bengals play on Sunday. Yeah. Versus the Packers, right? Yeah. Were we versus Packers on that one? It was versus Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah. And, uh, with, the, with the fumble at the end. Fumble and the at the end. City. That game ended 34-30. Uh, I went back and looked at it because I couldn't remember how it got to that point, but uh, Bengals scored the final 20 points of that game. It was incredible. So it went from being like, oh, man, this is going to be a shitty game to – Incredible to us ending up. Um, I wanted to ask you: Is it true that you ate leftovers in the stands <laughs> after the, after the game? You no, know, I was uh, so drunk that I probably did do that. Probably did I enjoy probably some. Did do that. I remember enjoying some Zaps chips. Like <laughs> this is the best bag of chips I've ever eaten. It was. It was. It was an incredible game. The atmosphere was yeah. on fire. I, I've never. I've been to that. I mean, I've been to Paul Brown a, a lot, and I've never. Yeah. I've never it was seen a blast. anything like that. That was amazing. Yeah, that and that's. Awesome. A, I mean, that stadium when it's full, it, yeah. it rocks, man. Yeah. And then after that game on that Sunday, on Monday night, we watched the Reds. Yeah. Play the Pirates again in Cincinnati. Which we proved that four days of a sports trip is too long. It was, uh, we made it, but man, we barely made it. We barely made it. We were, yeah, I mean, day four of sporting trips every day. That wasn't the uh, trip with the Oktoberfest, was it? Yeah, yeah, we literally flew into into Cincinnati and were welcomed with the greatest Oktoberfest in the U.S. Yeah. Man, what a night. Man, what a night. Drank too, way too much brown beer. <laughs> so tell me about uh, your feelings when you knew y'all were going to the Super Bowl, what, sitting there watching. So I got pretty emotional, you know, being a fan my whole life, not winning a playoff game in 31 years. Yeah. To see something like this uh, as, a, as, a, as a fan. Lifetime born fan. In, born in Cincinnati. Uh, never experienced a winning season ever. I mean, maybe maybe a couple win. You know, we went yeah. to the Super, we yeah, went yeah. to the playoffs six times with with Dalton. Couldn't mm-hmm. get past that hump. Um, you know, it's it's something that uh, you know, you get a little emotional. Hell yeah! You know, it's more you know, it, it's it, there's excitement, but there's a lot of emotions running through you. Yeah, a culmination like of that. a lot of a yeah. lot of years watching your team. Yeah. yeah. So are you? Uh, you got what are you doing for the Super Bowl? I'm not sure yet, man. I got a lot of people saying they want to do Super Bowl parties. Um, I I do get emotional because I am such a fan. So yeah. I am a little nervous about going yeah. to a party because I know when it's your team, man. Sometimes you want to be you know, alone and take it, it in. Yeah, I want yeah. to really watch it. I don't want and and if we win or lose, there's gonna I'm gonna be emotional. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and so I don't know. I'm not quite sure yet. Here's a funny story though. I was out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I lived there and. You know, Bengals fans work. We don't, we don't really appear too often. I remember the <laughs> yeah. Bengals were uh, playing the Broncos, and, and when you grow up in, in in New Mexico, they're either Raiders, yeah. Cowboys, or Bronco fans. Yeah. It's kind of the surrounding area. And I walk into this uh, this restaurant, and they're they're playing the Broncos Monday night, and and the Bengals never get a prime time game, right? They. Uh, they, they just don't play on Monday nights and, and things like that. So I was pretty excited, and I was also excited because my really good friends, they, uh, they, they're they big Bronco fans. So I walk into this bar and this radio station's there, and uh, I walk in, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a, a, a Bengals jersey. 
and they call they they erupt the the radio station the DJ and he's with a couple of people they yeah. go oh my gosh we apparently they they said on live on air they said the if, if the first Bengals fan yeah. was we're gonna interview that's hilarious so I walk in and they gave me all kinds of gifts yeah and, and uh, so this isn't your first interview no no okay. this isn't the first one <laughs> hopefully not the last either hopefully we're doing this every year man heck I, yeah I, I really enjoy it man it's it's fun to have your your team finally, uh, yeah. finally win. Man. It, it is, feels man. Good. And you got the best halftime show that I can remember for happening for your team. This is a big one. You know, when you're in California, new SoFi Stadium, they're, yeah. they're going all out for this one. So this we got, a, we got who? We got Dr. Dre, Eminem, Eminem Mary yeah. J. Blige, uh, and Kendrick Lamar. Oh man, this one is going to be a and Snoop Dogg. Yep. So California should be pretty fun. I don't know if he goes by Snoop Dogg anymore. I don't know. Mr. Snoop. Yeah. All right, Casey, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk about your team. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was awesome. It's game time, man. Jumping over to you, Ben. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our Super Bowl picks. I got the Bengals winning an exciting game against the Rams in the final minute. 38-36. That's about the only way this playoffs could end because just about every game has ended that way. Yeah, it's a pretty predictable. And, um, you know, I would say my gut would go with Cincinnati as the team of destiny because their, their path to the Super Bowl seems so unlikely compared to the Rams who were maybe not the favorite, but one of the favorites. So I'm, I'm just going to pick the Rams in solidarity with my dad. Okay. Because my dad was a long time three week Ram. Yeah. And well, he, has, he has the notebook to, to prove it. What's your score? The Rams uh, get a walk off touchdown in, in overtime Ooh. to win it 37 31. Um, I, we were going to talk about why Aggie basketball is so bad. And really all we have for that are some one-liners at the end of the episode. I did want to surprise you with a little UNT basketball talk. They're off to their best start in program history. Uh, they defeated your, T, your UTSA Roadrunners last night, 69 to 45. To take that win streak to eight, they've also won 14 out of 15. So they're on a, they're on a pretty big roll. Uh, as you may also recall, they made it to the round of 32 last year after beating Purdue. Lost, yeah. to, lost to Xavier, but uh, they're starting to fill up the super pit a little bit. And I think we have seven or eight games left in conference, but I, I feel like this could be the year that we can hit 32 again. Yeah, raise the roof. The College of UNT on a roll. Yeah, eight, and if, if you have... Eight in a row, and if you have a chance, go see UNT play basketball at the Super Pit. I would love to see UNT play. Okay, Ben, we have two more guests on episode 19, our college roommates. we got Jeff Dellis and Brendan Crotty joining us today. Hey, Jeff uh, and Brendan. Hey, Jeff and Brendan. I graduated high school at Brendo. Uh, we played basketball together, uh, and then we met Jeff while we were applying for a job at Hastings. And nobody got the job, but Jeff joined our roommate family. Yeah, welcome to the family, Jeff. Let your heart beat. You feel 
No better uh, person nervous. to do it than yourself. Kind of yes. nervous about this. Me too. Well, you, you should be your full frontal armpit right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're showing off again. <laughs> Can people see me on a podcast? No, they can't. They can't. We, that's why we have to create visuals. Uh, okay. <laughs> now our audience doesn't <laughs> Coming at you from our, all corners of the globe, uh, the on the from the Columbia River Valley, uh, the border of Washington and Oregon on the Oregon side, right, Jeff? Yes. <clears throat> Although we're building a house on the Washington side. Yeah. So you're a man of many states. Yeah, I can see it from here. As a matter of fact, right out the window. And and uh, and uh, Brendo, of course, joins Ben in the Metroplex. I mean, the, the Houston Metroplex. The armpit of Houston. The ar- <laughs> armpit of Texas. <laughs> hey, Jeff, man. Yeah. So I, I've heard things about Washington and Oregon. Um, is it Oregon companies? Is there the Washington companies set up an office in Oregon for tax purposes or one of them has is uh, tax advantages. So Washington, uh, there's no income tax. In Oregon, there's no sales tax. Okay. Uh, I think my guess is in the end, like you, you know, I don't know. Maybe there is advantages. I've always thought of it as like if you were a high salary doctor or something like that that worked for an employer, it would be advantageous for you to live on the Washington side because um, the, and you're not, you know, having corporate profits or anything like that. You're just having personal income. Um, but, yeah, good, well, good, leading, good leading question, Ben. I just recall an anecdote from uh, a guy from our sales tax department. Uh, that sounds very corporate of me, <laughs> yes, but it was, it was several years ago. So I, I can't remember <laughs> the details. So it's a pretty useless story. I was hoping uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think if you if you take some real estate up in Jeff's uh, brain, you get no tax at all, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which he already has. He's got plenty of real estate in my brain. Uh, <laughs> I live there rent free. <laughs> yes, you do. <dear. laughs> uh, Always bringing yeah. it back to tax law. the i think like you know in general terms it's like live in washington shop in oregon uh which we can do on the border but i don't think it's quite that simple in the end if you like owned a company and whatever like i'm i'm gonna move to washington i don't know if i'm gonna move my business to washington i might keep it in oregon sounds like i talked to the accountant sounds like there are pros and cons to either there could be there are and they're beyond me so that's why i have a cpa on my team wow well speaking of pros and and since we have a boston man in uh in the closet here i want to know i want to hear i want to hear about your thoughts on the retirement of the greatest football player of all time 
Mm. Mr. Thomas Brady. I was I was sad to see him go. Uh, I was I was hoping for another year. I would I would have liked to, I think I would have liked to seen the uh, the farewell tour. You know, I would have too. I was uh, waiting for it. Yeah. So I was I was a little surprised, and he always said forty five. He was forty four. So I I thought he was going to do a farewell tour, but um, but I don't know. You can't you can't blame him. Uh, I'll miss I'll miss watching him play. I think, but uh. You know, yeah, he's 44. 44, yeah, dude. I'm 41. I cannot imagine going toe to toe, uh, with a bunch of professional football players right now. Can you imagine when you're 21 going to toe to toe to professional? No, players? I'm 5'9, five 5'9, nine, five nine, 170. <laughs> um, okay, we have a little uh game that we would like to play with you two jeff and brendan oh oh boy so last week uh on our last week on our podcast uh ben and i had a spelling bee against each other oh son of a gun well as you might imagine (laughs) as you might imagine Ben ben destroyed me okay Um, well you know you know that that i've uh just for the record I, that I've uh, I've self-diagnosed with uh, dyslexia, mm-hmm. so, uh, okay. <laughs> so you got a, you got a handicap of sorts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But so I'm but what we're going to start with is we we've made it a little bit more like a Jeopardy spelling contest. So we're going to put you on the hot seat uh, beforehand. So I'm going to start with you, Brendo. I got two questions okay. for you. And yep. These are equal value. You just you don't worry about the next one. You just focus on the first one. Okay. Brendan, who was the third? <laughs> Brendan, who was the third president of the United States? Um that would be Thomas Jefferson. Dang! Nailed it. I love it. You are correct, sir. And I'm gonna put a Jeopardy bingo sound in there he was president from 1801 to 1809 that was a heck of a lucky guess you nailed it next question next question and you better nail this because you're wearing a boston celtics jersey all right that's pressure can you tell me who the leading scorer in celtics history is hmm well i feel like there's an obvious but maybe it's not the obvious uh, but I'm gonna go with the obvious. I'm gonna go Larry Bird. Ah, that would quick. Can yes. I give him a hint? Yes. Um, there's a famous radio call where he says, "This guy's name stole the ball." Johnny Most. Well, Johnny Most was not. Was the, it, are, huh? Is it? Is it Johnny Most? Johnny Most calling the game. And he says, "So and so stole the ball." So and so stole the ball. Havlicek. Yep. Bingo. And you know, interestingly, Bird's not even in the top four. Well, so there you have it. The, All right. Well, what you got? Uh, you got one out of two there. So are you going to ask me to? Are you going to ask me to spell? Are you going to ask me to spell Boston Jefferson? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good I idea. Might be able to do that. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> one but word. First. But first, Brendan. I mean, first, Ben. 
We're going to shift the hot seat. Yep, shift it. Oh. <laughs> the blonde bomber. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Jeffrey, I got one question right, buddy. No pressure. <laughs> well, if they ask me anything about sports, it's going to be a problem, probably. <laughs> Take it, man. It's in the. Unfortunately, I'm bringing it back to sports. But this is a fun question. And I'm giving you a pretty big swath here. So I would just like you to name one mascot from the following hockey teams. <laughs> Florida, Tennessee. I'm sorry, three. Florida, Tennessee, and Ohio. Can I go for the steal? Is that, is that part of the rule? <laughs> he's got he's to let go of it before you steal it. <laughs> oh, uh Man, that's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough Throw because nothing. Commander, um, the Buccaneers. Buccaneers. That was close. You know, you picked, you, you did pick Florida team. Okay, so here they are. You got the go ahead. The steal for Brendan. Uh, Florida Panthers. Okay. Oh. Been to been to a Florida Panthers game. Okay. Um, I were the other states. I stopped listening after you said <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, the, uh, they won the Stanley Cup recently, right? Or yeah. Yeah. Everybody's a fan um, in Nashville. Nashville, yeah. Uh, and some know, people the... say you were one of these. In college. <laughs> Predator? There you go. <laughs> I think it was a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> That was Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and even more surprisingly is the fact that Ohio has a hockey team. Can you name their hockey team? I couldn't. Mm. Mm. What, what, what city are they in? Columbus? Columbus. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to assume that you can't. That's mm. the Columbus no. Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. Yeah. Mm. Don't worry, Jeff. Brendan doesn't get any points for stealing. Okay. Oh. Well, okay. I did just uh, check the internet and validate all those answers. It's yeah. true. Yeah, you can do that. Oh, it sounds like to... we got a cheater on our hands. Yeah, get off. <laughs> okay, this one, this one should be a little more up your alley, or should I say valley? In what province are the Columbia River's headwaters? Ooh, and well, is that not uh, British Columbia? You got it. Okay. Did you it. say is it not or it is? Well, it was leaving it open for both ways. You're like, <laughs> you he's tricked me right, you tricked me right no. into it. No, <laughs> it is not. That is not how you answer a Jeopardy question, Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get when you leave me asking questions. <laughs> All right. Well, I would have to say that it's a dead heat heading into spelling. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So I have one as spelling bee as okay. a child. I, I've never spelled a word correctly in a spelling <laughs> I haven't either, buddy. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to I'm going to kick it off with Jeff because this word uh, makes me think of you as a kid running away from a forest fire. Uh, <laughs> mischievous. Mischievous. M I S C H I E V O U S. Nailed it. Okay. All right. The same word, Brendan. Just kidding. 
<laughs> I, wasn't, I would I'd misspell it because I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, I would misspell it anywhere because it has an I and an E in it. I would have missed it. Okay, your word, Brendan, is dystopian. Would you say cat? <laughs> <laughs> All right, dystopian. dystopian. Ben, use it in a sentence. Um, I don't Jeff know what lives, dystopian means. <laughs> Jeff lives in the uh, dystopian part of the United States. <laughs> oh, that, that, that definitely helps. Um, I'm going to go D-I-S-T-O-P-I-A-N. You were very close. Oh, I threw an extra vowel in there, didn't I? No, you nailed no. it except for Jeff. Would you like to steal? D Y S T O P I A N. The Y, oh. the tricky Y. Yeah. Like a yeah. dysfunction. Yeah. Good thing for you, he repays a favor and doesn't get any points from stealing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, back to you. Pejorative. Can you repeat that? Pejorative. Um, I have actually not used that in a sentence before. <clears throat> Most of what you said was inflammatory and filled with pejoratives. Or like perjury? Is, is the root word like have to do with perjury? I would say a synonym would be disparaging. Yeah, I don't know how this helps you spell it. Maybe okay. that's why I can't spell things. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'm just gonna give it a shot. Pejorative. Uh, P e r j o r a t i v e. So very close. Uh, yeah, it's that first R that three off. There's no R. It's kind of a oh, really pejorative. Pejorative. Ah, okay. You were hung up on perjury. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think the Texas naturally. Law- I think te- uh, Clayton's Texas draw through you all. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. It's my fault. <laughs> Man, I should have had old Ben Chandler read that thing. That's why I have to. Ask I, I, I give, I'll give you half a point for that one, Jeffrey. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive to say the least. Okay. Well, keeping it in the same vein, Brendo, your word is adjective. <laughs> okay, I should know how to spell this one. A D J E C T I V E. Boom. We have yes. a winner. <laughs> <laughs> we have a tie. We have, really a tie. we have a tie. We, you both only missed your words by one letter each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, I, what happens in a dead heat, Ben? Um, well, I, I'd say. Compare uh, armpits. I, I, I'm going to have to. <laughs> If we're going to use the prices right rules, Jeff used a letter too many. So he went over. <laughs> Brendo just used a wrong and incorrect letter. So he used the right number of letters. Okay. We may have to find a spelling champ. Hey. <laughs> if this I could, means I could go on, I, I could go on a run like that lady in Jeopardy. Should, should we have a. Uh, how about we give Jeff a do or die? Okay. okay. Jeff, your word is flabbergasted. 
Um, F A L. Oh wait, whoa, whoa. F L A B O R G A S T E D. You were not really that close, but <laughs> really flabbergasted. F L A B O R G A S T E D. The correct spelling is F L A B B E R. Oh, really? F-T-E-D, yes. I'll be damned. Okay, well, Brendan's the champ. Those double Bs. <laughs> well, should, should, we, should we do the NFL overtime rules that uh, it's not sudden death? I have to kick, Brent, a, Brent, Brent to kick to, a field goal. Now Brennan has to kick a field goal. <laughs> yeah. Team, yes? team, team okay, me up. Give up you need team to give me up with goal. your toughest. Give me, team me up with your toughest three-letter word. <laughs> your, your word is marmalade. <laughs> okay, I don't think there's three letters in marmalade. <laughs> well, there, there are three letters. There, there are more than three. True. Um, don't know how to spell it with just three letters. You want me right. to tell you how many letters are in the word? Would that help? No, it's not going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this. Um, I can do this. Warm a laid. Okay. Uh, M A R M A L A I D. <laughs> You're so close. L- you were so L-A-D. close. L-A-D, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, is, is that your final answer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I think I think we ended no, I, I read your expression. All right. Well, you know, NFL rules, but it, we end in a tie. So yeah, all that means is that uh, we're gonna we'll have a rematch later in the season. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> in the playoffs, which means everybody goes home feeling good because nobody lost tonight. Jeff, 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 uh, that was a good battle, buddy. You're a worthy opponent. You know, I really uh, there was moments there when I thought I had the upper hand, but you just uh, sort of came through in a pinch, and it just it's a testament to your uh, competitive will, Brendan. Yeah, but did, did yep. he come through? I'm sure. Or did you, just, neither of you came through. I'm just, I'm sure, Either or. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the thought of losing a spelling contest to me would uh, would get your nerves out of whack too, as well. <laughs> Let me hear you, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> a wonderful world, and I think to myself. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful, what a wonderful world. world. <laughs> hey, let's talk about science. We all love science and new. Well, you want to talk about some gas? Let's talk about gas, baby. Yeah, so um, there's, as we all know, there's a lot of misinformation out there in the Twitterverse. And, um, you know, one uh, that I, I, I brought to your attention was from uh, our favorite fruitcake CEO, Dan Price, 
he said something, and he's not the only one who's who's made this point, but that uh, oil prices are high because uh, oil companies are raising <clears throat> prices. And um, to be clear, uh, oil companies don't set the price of oil. They don't, they're not in collusion. They're in competition with one another. There's a lot of uh, oil companies. Um, there was a big uh, antitrust case uh, with, uh, <clears throat> you know, Rockefeller's Standard Oil uh, many, many years ago, and uh, they busted up the, the oil monopoly. And so now there's plenty of competition in the oil and gas industry. And uh, it's a commodity-driven business, meaning, um, you know, the price of oil is set by the market and it's completely out of the hands of the oil companies. They don't, uh, they're constantly, uh, negotiating the sale of their production and um, the price of oil rises and falls and they can um, they can sell at the market price they can lock in a price based on uh, a futures contract uh, but regardless the price is uh, completely dependent on supply and demand so whatever supply is available yeah um, it's gonna if if there's excess supply like there was in April 2020, um, when there was uh, so much oil that there was nowhere left to store it, and uh, oil companies had to had to pay counterparties to take it off of their hands. That was April of 2020. How do we go through it all so fast? I, I don't know, but uh, what happened back then is everyone uh, shut down their production, shut in their they're producing wells and uh, whatever production was still flowing, there just wasn't the demand for it. But that, that was because the world was on lockdown. And then we learned, right. quickly, okay, these, these lockdowns aren't sustainable. So everyone opened back up and suddenly there was this burst of demand and then prices kind of normalized. And, uh, but what's happening now is in a higher price environment, typically what happens is uh, big oil companies like Chevron, Exxon, what happens is they will uh, start dumping capital into their drilling program because uh, prices are so high, meaning demand is high, the market needs more supply. But uh, in, in this, uh, I don't know if you call it political slash uh, environmental, the, the companies have opted at their investors urging to not increase production. So for really the first time in history, oil prices are skyrocketing and uh, companies are not uh, investing in their drilling program. Now, the reason for this is uh, it can go back to the early 2000s when, um, and this is when I'm gonna start editorializing a bit, but it was uh, a group of elitist Ivy League types got together and decided we're going to create something called um, sustainable, I think it's called sustainable investing or ethical investing or, or something where we challenge uh, big oil to set limits on their emissions 
-hmm. and to hit these targets. And it and they they created this whole new multi-billion-dollar industry called uh, ESG, which is environmental, social, and social and corporate governance, um, where uh, companies where investment firms uh, basically only invest in energy companies that meet specific uh, ESG targets, sustainability targets. So you have to sh demonstrate that you're reducing emissions and increasing your investments in, um, in uh, renewables. So what you're seeing with the big, the, the major oil companies, the Exxon, the Chevrons, is more investment, what they call the energy transition, uh, moving away from uh, exploration and drilling for oil. On the surface, it's, it's noble, right? You're like, okay, well, we have to do something about this. There's a climate crisis, whatever. Um, but at its core, I think uh, it's corrupt because, you know, who's benefiting from this? ESG has turned into a multi-billion dollar yeah. um, industry where, you know, you, you bring in consultants to, uh, to, to design an ESG program for these big companies and, you know, they're making millions of dollars and uh, you know, in my opinion, it was maybe, I mean, th there was a mix of uh, noble intentions and uh, capitalistic. Uh, virtuous capitalism. Yeah, virtuous capitalism. That's a good way to say it. Um, and when you mix the two, you know, it always ends up uh, being corrupt because you have uh, these supposed environmentalists who are really just uh, a bunch of Ivy League elitists who think they no better than than you or I, and they can uh, and they can tell these big companies what they can or can't do because they control their stock price because they control billions of dollars. Um, well, they doesn't know what's good for us. They doesn't. But you know, I'm not saying big oil is. Uh, I'm not saying that they're without any fault or they they're not corrupt or any of that. Um, I'm just saying that you know this misinformation that proliferates social media is uh, just destroying any productive discourse that should be happening when it comes to call it climate action. So all it is is, well, we need the big oil companies basically to keep uh, for, for now uh, because uh, here we are, we're, we're in a panic because for six months, oil prices have been going up. And we're like, well, we, you know, that, that's not fair. You're, you're, uh, you're price gouging. And um, yeah, Joe, and, Joe did this. Well, yeah, it's the other thing. On the other side, they're saying, oh, it's, it's inflation. It's Biden's fault. And then, uh, you know, on the far left, they're saying it's, uh, it's big oil's fault. But in, in reality, it's, it's neither. So, you know, stop with the propaganda and just, you know, say, understand that we do need oil and gas in, in the near term. And until there's a plan for some kind of energy transition, you're gonna to have to accept either higher, higher oil prices or more drilling and oil and gas production if you want um, reasonable gas prices. So there, there just has to be a rational, civilized discussion that, that occurs. And that, that's just not happening. And I don't, I don't see it ever happening because um, because basically social media and people putting too much trust in 
uninformed opinions like Dan's. Yeah. But sorry to bash you, Dan. I mean, I think you have, there's some value that you bring um, to like uh, the executive compensation discussion. But um, when it comes to oil prices, I think you just need to keep your mouth shut. You just need to stay in your lane, Mr. Price. Stay in your lane, millennial. I don't mind. Uh, I do like to collect the Joe did this stickers. You can usually peel them off the gas pump and reuse them. <laughs> <clears throat> Save them for things like birthday cards, your cooler, or for when the, yeah. price, when the gas prices fall. It'd be funny to put those back out. <clears throat> when, they do, when they do fall. I did this. Uh, I did this. Here we are again, talking about the thing we like to do. Oh, that's right. Talking about the things we like to do. Should we move on to uh, Ozark? We've watched, uh, we've worked, this is a review of episode two and three. Referring back to your uh, inside joke to me that I didn't get, uh, Ben is the goat. <laughs> He's, Ben is the goat. I mean, there's no denying it. I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that Ben is not the goat, maybe, that the goat is maybe just full of uh, coins. Yeah, or, or ashes from uh, Darlene's husband. Maybe, maybe, or just yeah, it could be anybody's ashes. Is that they own a, a funeral home? Um, yeah. So we got the rundown. We got Sheriff Nix. Is uh, everybody knows he's missing? We got a billboard up. We have a new sheriff in town. That's Sheriff Guerrero. She busts Marty in the in the middle of uh, cleaning up at his former missing partner's house, which to me was sort of a ridiculous scene, but still heart, heart, uh, heart pounding. It was heart pounding. And I don't think Marty could have possibly handled it worse. <laughs> you think after everything he's been through, he, he could have, he'd have a better poker face and yeah, have, you know, some convenient lie in his back pocket, but uh, he just mumbled and stuttered through it and then just finally put his foot in his mouth and, yeah, and I didn't know I didn't know if they created that scene to make you feel this way, but it seemed like uh, halfway through that that's, uh, that moment, uh, the sheriff realized she needed to get out of the house. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she she seems to know what's going on. Uh, what's happening right now is you got uh, uh, Marty hit or not Marty Marty and Wendy hit brokered a deal between Big Pharma and Navarro. Um, Maya's had her baby, the baby's at the house. She's, she went and had an unsuccessful meeting with, uh, Navarro. Yeah. Well, it was un unsuccessful for Navarro. That's for sure. Yeah. But it ended up working out when Marty overhears, overhears Javi talking about, uh, a gun shipment. And so Marty gives that information to Navarro, who then gives it to Wendy. So everybody's happy again. Yeah. Um, and Marty got pretty ballsy in Chicago at that, that call with uh, Javi said, uh, 
I can't remember his words exactly, but basically um, shut him down. So we're going to do things my way and hung up. We'll see, see how that goes. Um, but yeah, he, he saved himself um, when he, uh, when he sort of uh, stabbed nephew in the back, <clears throat> which uh, yeah, I can't wait to see nephew go down. So the big question, I think after, after uh, three episodes, uh, four seasons is, I wanted to ask you uh, to think about is how many people get mixed up with the birds, Marty and Wendy, and come out for the better, come out alive for that matter. But how many people in these four four, uh, seasons so far have benefited from their relationship with the birds? Uh, Ruth hasn't, I mean, she's made a lot of money, but uh, I don't, I wouldn't say she's better off i mean she's basically a uh, uh a, a, a target for the cartel and she's uh she's working for a mad woman who could just snap at any time and um yeah for sure you look back you look at ben ben we don't know where ben is we assume he's in a uh, a goat vase a goat. You got Preacher Mason, he's long gone. Cade Langmore, he's long gone. Agent Petty, he's long gone. Sheriff Nix, he's long gone. Rachel, I think she's in rehab. She was the one running the bluegill or whatever that place Oh, yeah. Was uh, they kind of don't leave anybody in their wake. They kind of have barreled did, through everything. Did you mention Helen? <laughs> she's the latest, right? One of the latest. One of the latest. Uh, Ruth hasn't I mean she's made a lot of money but uh I don't I wouldn't say she's better off I mean she's basically a uh uh, a a target for the cartel and she's uh she's working for a mad woman who could just snap at any time and um yeah for sure you look back you look at Ben Ben we don't know where Ben is we assume he's in a uh a goat vase. A goat. You got Preacher Mason. He's long gone. Cade Langmore. He's long gone. Agent Petty. He's long gone. Sheriff Nix. He's long gone. Rachel. I think she's in rehab. She was the one running the bluegill or whatever that place. Oh yeah. Was called. Uh, they kind of don't leave anybody in their wake. They kind of have barreled did, through everything. Did you mention Helen? <laughs> she's the latest, right? One of the latest. One of the latest. Well, thanks for joining me on this is going to be a doozy of an episode. Yeah, this is going to be probably our biggest episode yet. Yeah, we added uh, guests two, three, and four. So Uh, I just want to leave everyone with a fire buzz. Fire buzz. And um, fire buzz. Buzz. Hope you have a good week. We'll see you next time.